Brian, we talk a lot on this podcast about guest experience, but something that doesn't get discussed as often as it should, especially in vacation rentals, is guest amenities. That's right, Matt. Offering basic guest amenities like soap and laundry pods in every property is key to providing a great guest experience. The problem is, it's a huge pain for property managers to pull that off. From purchasing and storing everything to getting all those boxes kitted up for each home. No wonder we hear so often for property managers that turn days suck. That's why we're excited to be partnering with Sojo, who is on an absolute mission to make turn days suck less by automating your guest amenities. Sojo guest amenity boxes are uniquely created for each of your homes filled with luxury amenities, beautifully packaged up room by room, plus extras like paper goods and trash bags. They'll connect to your reservation calendar and ship those boxes to you right in time for every turn day. No more storing or kidding. Sojo takes care of you step by step. And Sojo is offering 30 days of free guest amenities to GuestX listeners. Claim your free amenities and learn more at GetSojo.com forward slash GuestX. That's GetSojo, S-O-J-O.com forward slash guest and the letter X. Go and claim your free guest amenities today. Welcome to the Guest X Podcast, where my co-host Brian Amawi and I uncover the latest technologies and human-driven initiatives that are raising customer expectations and forever changing how we define customer experience. If you are passionate about creating incredible content and unique experiences, join us as we talk to leading product and experience experts across the globe and learn how today's most successful brands are setting themselves apart from the competition. Thank you for joining us for another week's episode of the Guest X Podcast. I am Matthew Loney, and today coming from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, where it is cold, but maybe not as cold as the Arctic tundra of Orlando, Florida, where my co-host is. Brian, are you, are you, well, first of all, are you surviving? It's freezing down here. It's about 50 degrees at the moment. <laughs> it is going to get, it is going to get colder though. They were talking about, I think, uh, getting into the twenties and people in Florida were freaking out. It's gotten worse. We're going into the teens this weekend. I don't really know. You are, really you are not. Yeah. You're really, it really will get in the teens. Yeah, no, apparently. I can guarantee you, you're not. Yeah, you are not prepared for that for sure. Hey, so probably one of the most excited, I, the most excited I've been for a guest maybe this week because I think it goes, the topic this week is going to go to a topic that I think a lot of companies in hospitality shy away from because there isn't the obvious solutions, right? It, it's like most really good advantages that you can build for a company. Getting there though is sticky and messy. And I think that's around your people yeah. and the culture and building the type of culture that then because of the culture you're, you've built delivers a great guest experience. I think it's probably one of the hardest topics for a company to wrap their heads around. You talk about business and Building a business is great. You can follow very strict rules and you'll get from point A to point B. I think one of the, the things that we miss a lot is really paying attention to people, the culture of the business, how to instill good culture, and then continue to grow it over a period of time without losing it. So consistency. 
And today's guest uh, is a really exciting guest. So on today's episode, we're really excited to welcome Mark Levy, former VP HR North America at Levi Strauss. He was the VP of recruiting at Gap and most recently global head of employee experience at Airbnb. Now Mark advises human resource professionals on their people and culture strategies and organization, as well as mission, values, and their culture. He also advises HR tech startups on their business strategy, product roadmap, and assists businesses with development. I think most notably, Mark has been actively involved in giving back, helping organizations enable their employees to help the less fortunate through volunteering programs and community involvement. Mark, your resume is amazing. <laughs> I, I went through it with Matt and, and I said, it's so long and he's done so many different things. It's actually very inspirational to talk to somebody like you, because not only are you very successful business, and I've been listening to some of your podcasts that you've done and your TEDx, your family is really important, but also the way that you've given back to communities. So a big welcome to you, and, and thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. I don't know how I can live up to that introduction, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you built it, so now you have to live up. No, it's, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. As we get started, what I'd love to do is, in the hospitality industry, we talk a lot about guest experience and building good guest experience. And when Matt and I really started discussing guest experience in the hospitality sector, a lot of it was driven through technology and automation. And over a period of time, what we found is as we've brought on different guests onto the podcast, it's actually all about the humans. It, it's a mixture between humans and technology that helps us develop really good guest experiences. With your expertise working not just with Gap and, and Levi Strauss and Airbnb and advising companies like Allbirds or Peloton, I'd love to hear from you how you come into companies and you advise them on how to instill good culture, how to, how to develop their, their people so that the end result becomes a successful company and that in turn builds good guest experiences. Sure. It's interesting because this somewhat ties back to how we even started to make this shift from HR to employee experience because it's actually started with guest or customer experience. And essentially when I was interviewing at Airbnb and they were about 500 people, it was still very odd for people to consider sleeping in a stranger's home. The one thing that Brian, Joe and Nate had done was be very intentional and deliberate about the type of company they wanted to build from day one. They developed kind of values and a framework for the type of company they wanted to build and the type of people they wanted to join that company. And so I remember Brian saying to me, I don't really know what HR is, but everything I've heard about it, I don't really like. Is it possible for us to start over? And essentially he said, I got people here who are doing things related to the employees. They report into different people. And, and the main thing I, I wanna see is for this organization to figure out how we further define and embed and scale our culture. So that was the remit that I had. And, and he said, I definitely don't wanna call it HR because it just has a bad taste in my mouth. And I said, you have a very robust guest experience or we call it a customer experience because we were dealing with a double-sided marketplace. And so we were really 
in many cases, more focused on our hosts than our guests, because our feeling was if we could set our hosts up for success, they would deliver the guest experience we wanted to see delivered. And I said, why don't we place that same emphasis that customer experience has on the customer with how we view our employees? And that's how the idea of employee experience even started. And that's how we named the function. And then the key thing that, that I think about that we did was the, we then said it was about three things. It was about a mindset. It was about ways of working and it was about org structure. What, what was included in this function on the mindset, it was pretty simple. And it was that if we treated our employees, the way we wanted them to treat our customers, in which case our host through our guests it was more than likely that they were going to understand what we meant by bringing our mission to life, which is around creating a world where anyone can belong anywhere. So for example, if we changed our approach in employee experience to having people feel like they belong, it would be easier for them to understand and to come to work and live their life in a way where they understood what belonging meant. And they could then help our hosts to understand how they create belonging with the guests. And the, the headline really was to do things with and for our employees, not to them. I think a lot of companies and NHR leaders feel like they need to have all the answers and they're going to do what they think they need to do and jam that into the organization. And that's the way they're going to solve the problems. But if you really turn that upside down and you go more to human-centered design or co-creation and you start with the employee and you ask them, what's getting in the way of you being successful? What's getting in the way of you being closer to the customer? What's getting in the way of you being able to, to do your job more efficiently? What's getting in the way of you having to work less efficiently? They have the answers. And so we drove towards much more of two-way dialogue. We drove much more to questions and answers rather than disseminating information. And, and so that turned into us being able to first have our employees help us to prioritize what was most important. And then second, have them work with us in designing, how do we solve that problem? And you're much more likely then to get to the right things you're spending your limited time and resources on and to solving the right problems and to doing it in a way that will be embraced and executed rather than forcing something on the team. So that was a very long answer, but that's how I see it happening. Breezeway is all about uncovering initiatives that are forever changing the guest experience. Breezeway's best-in-class property operations and messaging platform helps do just that by helping operators differentiate their brand and deliver more service to their clients. Breezeway's smart messaging tools makes it easy to send welcome messages, resolve in-house issues, share status updates, and offer stay extensions and other services. Powering operations with messaging also enables automated texts to notify guests when a property is ready for check-in, along with assigning work orders to your staff to second guests message in with a request. Combine the power of your operations with client communications and visit breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. That's breezeway.io forward slash guest X to learn more. That is absolutely yeah. fascinating. It is. Brian, do you know who I heard there? Uh, Dijuan from Disney. 
we had a guest just a couple of weeks ago, I think, right, Brian, but yeah. uh, former head of Animal Kingdom, had run like nine resorts for Disney and is now on, his name is on Disney's Main Street Walk there. But one of his first advices was go out and talk to your employees. They know the problems yeah. that your company is facing. He goes, sometimes they may not know the exact answer because they don't have the luxury of sitting around and, right. and trying to think about it, but they definitely yeah. know the problem. And often we think we're solving the problems, but we don't always really know what the problems are. That is really, it's interesting. One thing but, before you, one thing before you move off that is yeah. that's really interesting to me for two reasons. One is when I was at Gap Inc., I was there through a regime change when Paul Pressler came over from Disney and I worked directly for Cynthia Harris, who was amazing. And she had run both the parks, I think, and then the retail. And I learned so much from them about customer experience and guest experience because that that's what they live and breathe. And, and, and we infused that definitely into Gap and to how we looked at our customers, what was back of the house, what was front of the house and all of that. And so that's interesting because I'd never really thought about how that came with me when I was at Airbnb. The second thing is that when I joined Airbnb, we had six values. We ended up using one of them, which was simplify to actually go to four values. And so we use that value to get rid of it. But the other value that we actually got rid of, which was really important at the beginning, but wasn't really core to us, was one called Every Frame Matters. And we actually, this is really, it's all coming together, but in the area, in the office, we had this thing called Snow White. And it was actually all of the frames that made both the guest experience and the host experience and the every frame matters value is all about how in an animation in in and of itself they're singular but when you put it together it's this beautiful journey and i think that's that's a great thought for your folks to think about how you are super intentional and deliberate about every step of the journey and how that every frame matters can really make or break the experience that a customer has, that a guest would have. What's interesting to me is we're talking about some massive companies, right? You're talking about your Airbnbs and your, you know, Gap and, and Levi and Disney. And it's fantastic because they've got all of the resources in the world. They've got all the people that they can hire. They can afford all of these things. But in, in our industry, especially, uh, a lot of these companies are very small mom and pop companies with limited resources, not just monetary, human resource. And in your view, is it too early to start as a mom and pop instilling some of these, some of these things into the company and growing with it? When is it? right to start looking at your company's culture and giving back and really starting to build that up? No, I think it's never too early. As I mentioned, Brian, Joe, and Nate thought about it before they hired their first employee at Airbnb. And actually my work has gravitated towards that entrepreneur and that founder. Unfortunately, I'm doing a little bit less work. And so I really wanted to make it meaningful. So I'm either helping underestimated founders, which Arlen Hamilton, who I've worked with, who started a venture capital firm that only invests in women, people of color and or LGBTQ founders, has inspired me to really focus my attention on uh, those founders who don't have the opportunity typically to tap into their resources, their networking, et cetera, or for companies that are focused on social impact. So the work that I'm doing now is really at the very 
beginning stages of a company. And people, the people that I'm working with, we're looking at how do you either clarify and or define your mission and your values in a way that makes you special and unique and also is a very clear indicator to those that are working there and those that are interested in working there. What's most important to you as an organization and what are the ways of working that you want to scale as you grow? And so I don't think it's ever too early to start. And I think if you start with that clarification and you're hiring into that, so you're hiring people who want to further your mission and or are going to bring your culture to life through the defined values and behaviors, you're going to have a much better chance of, of scaling the thing you set out to try and deliver. And particularly, I think, and I have spent most of my career in customer facing organizations, you want everyone to be thinking about the guest. At, at Airbnb, one of our other values was called be a host. And, and interestingly enough, Brian wanted everyone to be a host like in their home. And then he realized some people don't even have a home. Some people have a studio. Some people live with their family and it's not possible. All the constraints. And so we really thought about what does be a host mean beyond hosting in your home? And it was, you know, how do you host a new person on your team, whether you're the leader or whether you're a colleague? How do you throw a birthday party? There, so really being clear about what you expect of people. And then, and, and the other thing I guess I'd say, and it's even more so with the younger generation is, how do you look at your employees as humans, as people, and how do you help them be their best selves? And how do you help them be the same wonderful person they are in the world when they're working? And now it's the lines are so blurred with hybrid workplace that you really wanna be interviewing and selecting for, and also embracing this idea of inclusion and authenticity. And I think if you do all that at the beginning, you're creating the trust between yourself and your employees to help create the trust between your employees and the customer and the guest. You, you said something earlier, Mark, that really resonated with me. And then I think you, you doubled down on it in that last segment there where you said, and you were referring to the team at, at Airbnb, who is obviously, you know, done some incredible things. You said they were very deliberate and intentional about what, you know, the type of company that they were building. And I think that that's where it all really starts. Mm -hmm. I think is, is to your point, if culture is going to be important, then you've got to be deliberate about it. And I think that's of anything that you do in business. It's, and, and I think that's why companies ultimately do show their values because you can't, you're going to be deliberate and intentional about the things that you value most. You bring up there the remote work. It really wasn't an area that Brian and I had thought about going down with the conversation with you, but I would love to, to hear from you whether you feel like the work you've done at some of these companies, if, if I were to put you back into those roles, but in today's workforce where a large percentage of those corporate employees are remote. Is it harder now, Mark, or is it just different? Because I will tell you, and we're a small organization, we have in our corporate office, 50 employees. But I will tell you, I, if, being someone who gets a lot of energy from people, 
it is really, it's, I find it much more difficult to connect and relate to my employees to the point where I, I almost have to be more deliberate about doing it because it doesn't come as naturally. But I don't know if that's just me. What are your thoughts about this remote and, and I guess hybrid model? Yeah, we could do a whole nother show on this. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess what I would say is, yes, it's very difficult. I think the companies who had established a very clear culture through defining their mission, values, and behaviors, and who had democratized their culture, which I think is a really important part of this. It's not a CEO founder. It's not a HR thing. It's not a leader thing to be successful. A company really needs to figure out the way they democratize their culture so that everyone understands it and owns it, is both contributing, but also is keeping it and curating it. I, I think it's very challenging to, particularly in a guest experience or customer-centric organization, to, to keep that alive. And, and the way the, that I've talked about it is taking the playbook from Airbnb and creating belonging and breaking it down into actually creating connections. And the, the four connections that I was working with companies to really, to use your term, double down on and to pay very close attention to are, first of all, the connection between the company and the employee in the company and kind of not letting go of the things that made the company special and that energized. So probably having more frequent all hands, but having a very different situation where it was as much Q&A as it was presenting things because life has become so uncertain that you can't have these beautifully curated and, and very organized meetings anymore. You really have to have lived in the mess and, and make sure you understand where people's heads are at, what is important for them to know about and let them ask questions and continue to figure out how to build trust in an organization where you can't get together anymore. The second thing is connections between employees. And I don't mean just the people that you work with, although, that's important. And it's a manager's responsibility to keep the team connected. It's a manager's responsibility to keep cross-functional teams connected when you work that way. But I'm talking about the people who you used to really enjoy work, seeing at work and being with at work that you may not necessarily have even worked in the same function, but that's what energized and created kind of the spider web connections across the organization and got you excited about working at the company and proud. And what got lost in that are things like employee resource groups, the clubs or the people who had fun because they both were from France or whatever it is, but just how do you continue to find ways, even in a remote or hybrid situation to connect employees? The third one, interestingly enough for your, this show is how do you continue to keep your employees connected to the customer? So for example, at Airbnb, when when the whole thing fell apart and people weren't traveling and we had to deal with lots of cancellations and whatever, they deployed many of their other employees into customer experience roles, A, because they needed it and B, it helped the, it helped the employees feel much more in what was going on in the minds of the hosts and guests. And it also helped them to empathize with the situation, make the right decisions around whatever policies or processes that they needed to put in place to deal with the pandemic. So how do you keep employees connected? I, mean, I work for a small company called John Hardy, and they're a high-end jewelry company, and they had to close their stores. And they ended up having their employees get in touch with their best customers and talk about how production was shut down. But when it started up, which of the 
things would they want to be the first out of the gate so that they could figure out their supply chain and, and how to ramp things back up. So there's different ways companies got in touch with customers and connected them to employees. And then the last thing is, how do you keep your employees connected to the communities in which they operate? And the pandemic and then the racial inequality and the murders and everything else that were going on really gave rise to this challenge of people feeling like the world's going to hell in a handbasket and what can I do and what's the company going to do? And so there was a lot of important things that companies did, hopefully first thing, talking to their employees about what it means to them and how they feel and what the company should think about doing and saying, and then actually doing those things. And so I got involved with a lot of organizations and how to continue the volunteer work they did through remote volunteerism. There's a company called Godera that helps companies with that and, or just how to give people the time to get off their computers and out of their homes and figure out ways they could help the community in which they lived to help them through whatever was going on with the pandemic and their situation. So I would say, yes, way more difficult. And if you focus on these four connections, you can help continue to create trust and belonging and culture in a remote or hybrid workplace. Very interesting. I think you've touched on on something Matt and I have actually been discussing quite a bit, which is volunteering and giving back and getting the actual companies and their staff to be involved and feel like they're part of something that's a lot bigger. You've done an enormous amount of work around this. I think one of the biggest challenges that we find with employees especially is getting them to be involved consistently. How do you tackle that from your perspective? What's the best way to get the employees engaged and energized enough so that they feel like they're part of something and then continue to do that year over year and without it fizzing up? I'd say there's there's two trains of thought on the approach that you should take. And I have to say, I'm so blessed that the Haas family at Levi's and the Fisher family at The Gap really helped inspire me and a lot of people that I worked with to really think about this deeply. And so first of all, I think a company should authentically get involved and amplify their viewpoint based on the type of company that they are. At Airbnb, we found the enemy of belonging to be being a stranger. And so we were very much involved in anything that created inclusion and connections and understanding and compassion and empathy. In fact, we even introduced a pledge that we required not only our employees, but our hosts and our guests to sign up for, or they could travel in a different way. We just didn't want them to be part of our community if they weren't willing to sign a pledge that said that they weren't going to discriminate. So I think the one train of thought is be clear about what you stand for and, and amplify that in a big way. At Allbirds, it was around climate change. We put in a lot about how to save the planet and how to get to address the carbon footprint, et cetera. So that was kind of a big thing. I would say at Gap and Levi's, they were much bigger organizations. And I think what they found was they wanted to leverage their employee base to give back to the world. It wasn't about money. It was much more, they were looking much more at participation and, and kind of quality of what you were able to, to deliver. And so at those companies, it was much more around what are you good at and what inspires you and how can you take that and help those 
who don't have the same access or resources to, to better themselves or better their situation. So for example, you know, in HR, we were helping underprivileged kids to figure out how to put together a resume, how to interview, and then how to get their first job. And companies like Gap, we could actually give them their first job. And so there was a lot of that that happened. But like in marketing, they were helping nonprofits that couldn't really do a great job of amplifying their cause because they didn't have people who were experienced in marketing to share with those nonprofits how they could better brand themselves or how they could better communicate or advertise or whatever. So I think there is this notion of A, having the ability to amplify whatever is important to the company, B, giving people an opportunity to leverage what they're good at, and it feels good to give back. And then C, I think the thing that really works is having defined time. So at Airbnb, we had four hours of volunteer time a month. We also had social impact champions in each office who help people to find ways to give back and to connect people with each other to give back together. The data says that you, you feel much better and connected and learn more when you actually volunteer with others that you work with. And then finally, I think celebrating what you do. So we acknowledged our, our volunteers through celebration at, at, at Gap Inc. They actually had a program where you could sign up to, to be recognized. You basically submitted what you did, how you were involved, the outcomes you were able to deliver. And then we had what, what they called community core. And we took the best of what we saw and we recognized them and, and they went on a volunteer vacation. And I, I was fortunate, uh, fortunate enough to lead one to Guatemala and we worked with Habitat for Humanity. And we went down and built homes. And again, thinking about what is a recognition for someone who's a strong advocate of volunteerism or nonprofits is get them more opportunity to do that. And again, I think people's time is money. And a lot of companies are running around like chickens with their heads cut off. But if you can set aside whatever amount of time and you can support your employees and then acknowledge and, and uh, recognize them for the work they're doing, it's amazing. It's amazing what it does for them as a person, uh, what it does for you, for goodwill in the communities in which you operate. And most importantly, you're helping those that are less fortunate and, and could use some help. I think that's one thing. And I know, Mark, you've done and watching some of the talks you've given that you've done a little bit, of, I think, of research or done a lot of reading on research in this area. But the you mentioned it there at the end, just the benefits that that has to the individual employees lowering stress, you know, beyond the company itself, whether it makes them more loyal and feel a, a part of something bigger. And that's great for the company, but there are some real individual benefits. And I think one of the things we've seen in hospitality, Brian, and we've talked about this is there is this mad rush to go figure out how to get more employees. But sometimes what we forget is the last two years have been really hard on the employees who are still with you because you weren't able to scale back up maybe as quickly as you had hoped. And you got to be careful in your pursuit to go find new employees that you don't leave the old employees yes. because they're the ones who got you here. And no one does it intentionally, but it's, I don't care any relationship you have, whether it's your your marriage, your relationship with your kids. Sometimes it's just easy to take that which you have right now for granted because you're out pursuing other things. 
and you don't cultivate that. And I think that's really important, Mark, when you talk about giving them the chance to even better their own lives. Cause I think a lot of them are really stressed just about having gone through COVID. Yeah. We know they are right yeah. uh, beyond professionally, personally, and everything else. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I think, go ahead, Mark. Go ahead, Brian. I was just going to say that a lot of companies, the first HR person that they hire is a recruiter. And then they bring all these people in, but they don't have anyone thinking about what do we do with them once they get there. So I really have been trying to suggest to the great, great point, small companies that I work with that recruiting is a skill, but find someone who's a generalist who can recruit. And then they're going to think much more broadly about the employees that you're bringing in, not just bringing people in and like growing the company without thinking through how you grow it in a meaningful way. You know, I think through, I grew up in South America and Venezuela. I don't know how many people know that. Uh, I was there until I was about 16, 17 years old. And one of the things that we used to do back at school there was a lot of volunteer work. So I did go to private schools, but a few times a year, we would go out, we would either build houses, we'd farm, we'd help very poor people if they didn't have anything. And, and I think one of the things that, and I have an eight-year-old daughter we're not instilling is the ability to understand what volunteering is. It's not taught in schools. It's not available in schools. So unless it's coming through the parents and the teaching at home, we're really missing a huge element in our school system, our education system to bring it back through then into the workforce. And I'm a firm believer that if you teach kids when you're they're young about volunteering and how good it feels helping others because you're fortunate and you have all of these things. As you grow up, you also have a really good sense on how to instill that in a business. And I wish that part of our culture would go back to some of the core of helping people that are less fortunate and even people that are not fortunate, teaching people that are even less fortunate than them right. so that when they do have something, they actually appreciate the things that they've done and and for themselves and, and for the, the community around them. I admire the work that you're doing with volunteerism and how you're building it into the companies. Matt, I think we're about to wrap up the show. And I really want to thank you, Mark, for coming onto the show, talking to our audience about culture, staffing, your experiences. And I hope that the audience that have listened in today have taken back some of the points that you've made. So I really appreciate the time that you've taken to meet with both Matt and I. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Matt, you're on mute and that's going to be a first for Matt. <laughs> it will be a first for Matt. Uh, <laughs> hey, yeah, thank you. As a parting thought, Mark, one of the things I think would be interesting or help, any books that have um, had an impact on your career, if there's people out there thinking about culture, thinking about employee engagement. Is there any anything you would recommend? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go vintage and then I'll come back to current. I'd say too, the first book that really most inspired me long ago was called Nuts. It's the book that was written by the uh, CEO and founder of Southwest Airlines. I just, it's just yep. got such great nuggets in it. I'd say the follow-up to that was probably Let My People Surf which is the book by Yvonne Chouinard at Patagonia. And that talks about how he started the company based on his passion and then how he very intentionally grew it, but kept to the core. And then most recently, Ben Horwitz wrote a book called 
who you are is what you do or what you do is who you are, something like that. And it's really interesting because it is got both a historical perspective and then a practical perspective on basically this theme of if you don't define your culture, it will be defined for you. And the important role that defining your culture plays in growing a solid and stable company. Uh, I've read one, I knew of one, didn't know of another. And I was just thinking to myself, I know right where there's a bookstore. I still like the books. I don't, uh, yeah. it's probably not the right thing to say for somebody who's running a tech-stabled company, but if it is the truth. And so I was thinking, I'm going to run down to the bookstore here in Pigeon Fork. Mark, thank you so much. Really appreciate the time and just your willingness to be so open and helpful for our audience. Really appreciate it. Very, very happy to be with you. That's it for this week's episode of Guest X, a member of the Hospitality Podcast Network. Be sure to sign up for our email list at guestxpodcast.com. That's guest, the letter X, podcast.com. And follow us on your favorite podcast app. We are Brian Hamawi and Matthew Loney signing off and reminding you to always create a customer experience worth talking about.